Good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to St. Paul's United Methodist Church. Uh, we want to welcome those who have joined us through Facebook and live streaming. We are glad you are here with us for this time of worship. It would be helpful if you would like our live stream or leave a comment so that we know that you are watching. As we enter our time of worship today, we want to acknowledge the pain and harm that is caused to our transgender siblings through misunderstanding and actions of hate and violence. Today is Transgender Day of Remembrance. It's an annual observance on November 20th that honors the memory of transgender people whose lives have been lost in anti-transgender violence. To date, there have been at least 35 violent deaths in the transgender community this year and many more acts of physical and emotional violence and harm. Many of you all may have also heard on the news that last night in Colorado Springs, there was a mass shooting at the Q Club in Colorado Springs. At least five are dead, 18 are hospitalized, and they're expecting that number to go up. Uh, so again, hatred and violence to our LGBTQ plus community. So this morning, we want to light a candle in remembrance of those who have lost their lives. Will you go with me to God in prayer? God of peace, give comfort to those who mourn on this day of remembrance. Give courage to our trans communities in the face of cruelty and harassment and bring to justice those who perpetuate this violence. Challenge us to speak out for those who are silenced, to stand for those who are bullied, and to go with those who face danger. God of wonder, indeed you are beyond gender. You made each of us in your image. Be with us today and always as we long for a day when every individual is safe and known and honored. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, who brings us all together in one human family. Amen. welcomes, affirms, and extends our love to all persons, regardless of age, ethnicity, race, income, life experiences, abilities, sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression. All are welcome into our family. Let us go to God in prayer. God of all creation, who created and continues to create, we come to you with these words from the Psalter, be still and know that I am God. So let's take a moment of silence to still ourselves, be still and know that I am God. We confess our need to ask for your forgiveness, Lord, possibly more often for those things of which we've left undone than those things for which we have done. Um, thinking of those omissions, the um, failure to respond to hurts and harms, closing our eyes and ears to um, the unpleasantness of life. I confess that um, just 
have to make myself turn on the news to see what's happening in our world because I want to close my eyes, I want to close my ears because it's just so overwhelming at times. We drive the streets and we see your people needing help. We just confess that we could do more. We, we know that, that some things are being done, but we confess that we don't always do all that we should. And so we ask your forgiveness for that, especially on a day as today as we're surrounded with images of your bountifulness. And we thank you for all we have received. We listen to the children share what they are thankful for. And um, it reminds me that um, not just during this week, but each and every day of the year, we need to call to mind, to heed the words of that old um, hymn, Count Your Blessings, name them one by one, count your many blessings, see what God has done. Kathy reminded us earlier of the uh, uh, things, terrible things that had happened in Colorado, and we lift, we lift that community up to you, Lord. We lift every family invited or that was in, involved in that situation. Um, we lift them up to you at this time. So, Lord, in your mercy. For people who are not going to be with their families in this family-centered traditional holiday that's coming up, we know the loneliness that can be there. Um, the, we don't always understand the, the reason that they're not present. Sometimes it's just the um, not living close by, but other times there's strife, um, there's death. There's just so many reasons that families can't be together. And so for these families, Lord, in your mercy. We think about all of those for whom um, we are grateful, who have brought us to the point where we are in this day to um, be able to worship as a, as a community of faith, just how that is so good to us individually, but how many people came before us to allow us to be here at this time for those persons, Lord, in your mercy. We're acknowledging the transgender community this morning. Um, hurts still abound within that community. And so, Lord, in your mercy. As always, for those for whom no one prays, we lift them up to you, Lord, in your mercy. I think of the cold weather and the, um, your many creatures who are out in this world. Um, those who um, we call our pets, but yet some people don't seem to show the care and concern for them in cold weather as they should. So for all of your um, creation, both in homes where uh, they might just be out chained to a tree 
weeks of seeing dogs chained to a tree in this weather with no warmth or um, even shelter. For those who are in the forest, we know that you've given them the good sense to find warm spots. But just for all of your creation in nature, Lord, in your mercy. For these and the many things that are within our heart, we give them to you as we offer the prayer that you taught us to pray and to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Some of you asked me today if I was wearing orange for Thanksgiving. Some ask, am I in mourning over last night's football game? But actually, this is a peace and justice stole. Orange is the color of gun violence awareness. And when I heard this morning about the shooting in Colorado Springs, I decided this was the stole that I wanted to wear today. And it fits for the other two as well. But just a, an awareness of that. Uh, before I read our gospel, I should start by saying Happy New Year. Happy New Year's Eve, I should say. Because this is the last Sunday of our church calendar. Next Sunday, a new liturgical year begins with Advent. And we will move from the Gospel of Luke with a little bit of John sprinkled in to the Gospel of Matthew with a little bit of John sprinkled in every once in a while. Unlike Matthew, Mark, and Luke, <coughs> John doesn't get an entire liturgical year, <coughs> but rather just a little bit each year. The last Sunday of the liturgical year is known as Christ the King, or the Reign of Christ Sunday. Now given the pomp and circumstances that we typically associate with kings, we might think that our lectionary reading this week would be something that sounds, well, rather kingly. Something glorious from the book of Revelation, maybe a scripture about Jesus sitting on the throne, decked out in a splendid robe and wearing a jeweled crown. Or something majestic from Isaiah, such as, a son will be given to us and the government will rest upon his shoulders. But that's not what we find for our lectionary reading this week. It's a reading we might expect on Good Friday, not on Reign of Christ Sunday. I'll be reading from Luke 23, 33 through 43. This is a reading from the Gospel, so I invite you to stand or to rise in your seats. <coughs> When they arrived at the place called the Skull, they crucified Jesus, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And they drew lots as a way of dividing up his clothing. The people were standing around watching, but the leaders sneered at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he really is the Christ sent from God, the Chosen One. 
The soldiers also mocked him. They came up to him, offering him sour wine and saying, If you really are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Above his head was a notice of the formal charges brought against him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging next to Jesus insulted him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. Responding, the other criminal spoke harshly to him. Don't you fear God, seeing that you've also been sentenced to die? We are rightly condemned, for we are receiving the appropriate sentence for what we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus... Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, I assure you that today you will be with me in paradise. My friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Will you go with me to God in prayer? O oh, gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, for indeed you are our rock and our redeemer. And God, at this time I ask you to help me to step back. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit so that it is your word, not mine, that is heard. So that it is your word that lands on our hearts. That it is your word that comes back to us throughout the week and causes us to ponder so that it is your word that leads us to transformation. Amen. Well, I am curious. When you think of the images of Jesus, what images of Jesus come to mind for you? Jesus with the woman at the well. Jesus feeding the 5,000. Jesus teaching by the seaside. Maybe Jesus as the good shepherd. Jesus calling the little children to him. Jesus reaching out and touching the man with leprosy, the untouchable. Or is your very first image of Jesus one in which he is seated on a mighty throne wearing a crown of jewels and holding a gold-plated scepter, a scepter of power. I have to admit that I have often struggled with the image of Christ the King. Now, not because I don't think that Jesus is worthy of the title, but because of my own image of king or monarchy. It's very outdated, very patriarchal. You see, there are so many other images of Jesus that I can more easily relate to. Savior, teacher, friend, shepherd, healer, champion of the underdog, the relentless fighter for justice and equality, and the one who without hesitation would walk to the cross and die humbly on that cross for the truth. Those are the images of Jesus that I hold dear to because those are images that I can see myself having a relationship with, a real relationship. My images of Jesus as king feels distant and it feels intimidating 
It doesn't feel personal and inviting. And the word king is wedded to social privilege and pyramids of wealth and invested with centuries of inequities, abuses of powers, and yes, fairy tale fantasies. Christ the King Sunday is one of the newest additions to our liturgical, liturgical calendar. It was instituted by Pope Pius XI to remind Christians that their allegiance was to their God and to the way of Jesus, whether to the earthly supremacy, which was being claimed at the time by Mussolini. Pope Pius XI started Christ the King Sunday in 1925. And so in that time, there was this leading of nationalism throughout the world where there became hard to imagine an allegiance to government rather than to God. And for us in the United States, Christ the King or Reign of Christ Sunday usually falls before Thanksgiving, a time when we focus on gratitude, a time when we pay attention to all the ways we see and experience the abundance of God's generosity. So this week, those were the eyes in which I read and studied today's scripture. And as I read it, I found many things for which to give thanks. Thankful. Not that Jesus died on the cross to save me from a vengeful God who needed a sacrificial lamb, but thankful that even in his dying, Jesus showed us what it means to be faithful. That even as he was dying, he proclaimed and he brought forth the kingdom of God. On the cross, a death intended not only to be painful and torturous, but also one that is humiliating. In this egregious act of anti-Semitism, the Romans executed him because he dared to preach a gospel of putting God before country. A gospel of God, not of the Roman Empire, as being where our allegiance should be. <clears throat> and Jesus looked down on the Roman soldiers who were mocking him, and he said, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And I find myself wondering, how often do I get pulled into the mainstream of our culture and unknowingly get pulled into practices that go against those of God's kingdom? Being wasteful and not protecting our natural resources. Spending money on things that I don't need while so many others go without. Supporting businesses with discriminatory hiring practices or paying low wages to frontline employees while CEOs are pulling in astronomical bonuses on top of their multi-million dollar salaries. And I take comfort in Jesus' words. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Jesus asked God to forgive me, to forgive me, to forgive you, to forgive us when we shut our eyes to the injustices going on around us. And then with that forgiveness comes grace. 
Grace that transforms us and causes us to open our eyes and to become more aware of the ways that we participate in systemic injustices and inequities. To become aware so that we can start changing our behavior. Yes, even as he died on the cross, God's generosity was abundant. And I give thanks that while Jesus was dying on the cross, he looked at the ones beside him and said, today, today, you will be with me in paradise. Today, you will be with me. Now friends, I'll be totally honest with you. I have no idea what happens to us after we die. No one does. But I am convinced that we will be united with God totally and completely. Not because we did anything to deserve it, because of, but, it but rather because of who God is, our creator, created in God's image and returned to God. And I give thanks that Jesus was faithful in his ministry, faithful to the point that the Roman Empire saw him as a threat to their way of life, faithful to the point that he was willing to die on the cross rather than to react with violence. Friends, as we get ready to move into Advent, a season of waiting and hoping, not for something that happened over 200 years ago, but waiting and experience the continual rebirth of Christ in our lives. It is only fitting that our lectionary reminds us that even the powerful Roman Empire could not destroy the ancient Jewish hope. They mocked him. They crucified him, thinking that that would deter this uprising, that even in his dying, Jesus would not allow hope to be destroyed. And then we know what happened three days later. Death would not win. Rome did not get the last word. And friends, for that, we do indeed give thanks, because even in the death of Jesus, we see God's abounding generosity of forgiveness and grace, God's abounding generosity of hope, and God's abounding generosity of love, a love so great that nothing, nothing can separate us from it, not even death. This month of Thanksgiving provides us an opportunity to intentionally think about God's generosity and to express our gratitude in words and thoughts and in deeds. Now I know that many of you in here have already embraced the spiritual discipline of practicing gratitude every day, not just during the month of November. But for many people, the season of Thanksgiving is the reminder that it is, <coughs> is the reminder that we need in order to acknowledge that all that we have comes from God. Yet so often we forget to say thank you. One of my favorite Bible verses comes from First Thessalonians. Pray and give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Pray. Stay connected to God in all circumstances and give thanks. 
Now, did you notice that Paul didn't say to the Thessalonians, give thanks for the circumstances, but rather give thanks in the circumstances. Why should we give thanks in all the circumstances we find ourselves in? Because no matter how bad it is, no matter how heartbreaking and devastating the situation might be, God is in that situation with us. And for that, we give thanks. It's like saying to a friend who comes to visit you in the hospital, thanks for coming to see me. It's not a, I am thankful for this situation of being in the hospital. No, it's a thank you for coming and being with me during this time. And friends, gratitude doesn't dismiss the difficult situation. It's not a matter of, think about how much worse it could be and be thankful that it's not that. No, friends, gratitude in hard times is about the way that we see God's presence in these situations. To see God and to name God as a way of acknowledging that God is present and to acknowledge that even during our times of lament, God is with us. So often, we see that presence through the actions or through the words of others. Some of you have heard me tell this story before because it's one of my favorites. A little girl woke up in the night and she was scared because she had a bad dream and so she called out for her mom, for her parents and her mom came in and she comforted her. But a few minutes later, she left. And pretty soon the little girl cried out again. Mom comes rushing in and the little girl says, I'm scared. But mom stays with her for a bit and then leaves again. And sure enough, just about the time mom gets comfortable, the little girl cries out. And this time when the mom goes in, she says to the little girl, it's okay, there's nothing to be afraid of. And she says, but I don't want to be alone. And the mother said, but honey, you're not alone. God is with you. And the little girl said, but I want God with skin on. <laughs> and friends, when we see those people in our lives who are embodying Christ for us, those that are God with skin on, we need to realize that we are experiencing Christ in our midst. And we need to remember to say thank you to them, but also to say thank you to God. Now it's probably no surprise to most of you that I was disappointed by our state election a couple of weeks ago. To be honest, I am downright worried about what will happen to public education in our state. And as a former educator, I think I have reason to worry about that. The day after the election, I was in a state of lament. And I was thankful that lamenting is part of our spiritual journey. Yet while in this state of lament, I seriously thought about moving out of state. I'd had enough. Now some of you know that before I was appointed to St. Paul's in 2018, I had explored the option of transferring to the Mountain Sky Conference. I had been entertaining the idea of when I retire, moving to mountains, my favorite 
creation that God has made. I was entertaining the idea of moving to Colorado before I retire, so I thought, well, I could get a head start by taking an appointment in Colorado before I retire, get to know the place. So I let my district superintendent know that I was exploring this option, and I completed all the paperwork, and I went to Denver to meet with the bishop in the cabinet of Mountain Sky. And while I was there, I was assigned a DS, a district superintendent, to help me navigate my way around, to act as host, and then we went out to dinner. It was a wonderful experience, and I truly thought that I would be going to Colorado. And then a short time after I got home, I got a call from my DS in Oklahoma who said, we know you're thinking about Colorado, but we think St. Paul's in Tulsa would be a good fit for you and a good fit for them. Now, I will never forget my response to him. I said to him, I know I am supposed to say, thank you, let me pray about it, and then I'll get back with you tomorrow. But instead, I said to him, whoa, if you think St. Paul's in Tulsa is a good fit for me, I will gladly serve there. And friends, it was a decision that I have never regretted until the day after the election. And the DS from Colorado and I have stayed in touch. And that evening, I sent her an email saying, boy, after last night's election, I'm wishing I had taken that appointment in Colorado in 2018. And she quickly replied to me, and these were her words. I remember how excited you were about serving the church that you're appointed to now and how that felt to you like an unmissable opportunity. And she said, I hope that is life-giving despite the big stuff out in the world and in our denomination. And friends, that message from God delivered through an email was just what I needed to be reminded of how glad I am to be at St. Paul's, even in the midst of our state's political realities. My appointment to St. Paul's is one of the greatest blessings in my life, not because it's on Cherry Street, although that is, that, that's a good um, icing on the cake, not because of our beautiful sanctuary and not because it's in Tulsa, no, it is a blessing to me because of you, the people of St. Paul's, the risen body of Christ with skin on. You exemplify what a church is supposed to be. You are genuinely warm and welcoming to all. I asked Maya if I could tell this story. I will never tell a story about a church person without having asked them first. So don't go, ooh, what if she tells a story about me first? <clears throat> Maya, who usually sits over here with Penny and Aries, <clears throat> a couple of months ago, she invited her father to come to church with her. And she told me later that her, her dad said to her, I felt more welcomed at St. Paul's than I do at the church that I have been a member of for 25 years. Friends, that's who you are.
and you make sure that all are included. I love the way that you continue to do whatever you have to to make the circle wider, ensuring that everyone is included. And you understand that you are the church. You show up, you volunteer, you serve on committees, and you help us do the business of the church. You bring food for potluck. And even during these times of record-breaking inflation, you continue to give back to God through St. Paul's so that we can fund our ministries and keep our lights on. And you have such a deep commitment to social justice and feeding God's sheep. I love when I walk in the kitchen and I see it full of people helping put together sack lunches for those on the street. And I love the way that you come together on Sunday morning for worship and fellowship. The way that you greet one another and the way that we lift our voices together in song and prayer. And I love, I love this about you, St. Paul's. You love when you hear children making noise during the worship service. I love that because you understand that that's what it means to be church. And I wonder, what is it that you love about St. Paul's? What is it about St. Paul's that causes you to give thanks to God? For many, the November focus on gratitude is listing things each day for which we are thankful. Diana Butler Bass suggested that we try writing down one thing and then writing five things about that for which you are thankful. I've been doing that, and I've really enjoyed it, because it's like I hear God saying, oh, Kathy, tell me more. Tell me why you like that. Tell me more. I feel like God is using that as a relationship building to get to know me even better. I see it as God and I being thankful and sharing that with one another. Yes, friends, I love telling God why I am so thankful to be at St. Paul's and thankful for the way that God is using us. Indeed, I do not have to look very hard to see that God's generosity abounds in this place and in you. And for this, I give thanks, and I hope that you do too. And may our thanksgiving not just be done with our lips, but may it be done with our bodies as well. It's in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Mother to us all. Amen. Before I share a small scripture reading, I'd like to just talk about things that I am grateful for, of how both Cindy and I have been receiving from this church for 12 years now. And it really, I, in the presence of such joy-filled and kind-hearted and loving people, I, 12 years is nothing. We really can't experience the passage of time. And I'll tell you what it was like when we first started coming here. I think Twilight was the pastor then. And it was impossible for us to sit in a corner pew somewhere and just observe the church as visitors. That was not going to happen. Uh, and we were immediately brought forward by you know, different, different groups of people reached out to us, and we were pulled into various you know, committees of various types, um, 
you know, church work days, and that's the type of inclusion that we've always been hungry for. So in terms of a church that practices inclusion, this church practices inclusion and loving kindness at a deep level. Love and mercy and justice are not just things that are taught from the pulpit. Um, the experience that we've had of people interacting with us uh, literally from day one, 12 years ago, it's, I just, the best way to describe it is it's like a, you enter into a place and a blanket of love just wraps around you and you can't resist it and you feel healed and you feel made whole by it. And it's just a place that really practices the truth that you hear from the pulpit. Uh, the way that literally this, this church does not have any social cliques in it. It's a boundaryless social group. Uh, everyone here is family. That, that has been our experience as well with St. Paul's. And I would like to express my gratitude, both my, myself and Cindy, for everything this group of people, for the ministry of God through this group of people in acts of loving kindness and inclusion that go without ceasing. And I just wanted to express that gratitude. And now I'll get into a little, little scripture that I'm going to share. This is from the English, English Standard Version. It's Philippians 4.15. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. I like the word partnership there. There are a few other modern translations that use that word there, uh, including the Amplified. Um, the scripture has always fascinated my, me by what it's illustrating. Whenever we think about manna meals, whenever we think about Pride Day, different things that we do to reach out and touch different groups of people in our world, in our community. Um, some of you out there have very busy professional jobs or have had in the past as I have, and you maybe haven't had time to be in involved in some of these activities or all of them. But there are very key ways that we can be part of what this thing does. Every act of kindness that this church does in the name of our Lord Jesus, there is a way we can be a part of it, and it's through our financial giving. That's how we can do this. Paul is basically saying that the church at Philippi is his ministry partner uh, by reason of the financial support they were providing to his missionary work. So that's, that's a very heavy thought. So in our giving, even though we may not always have time to volunteer and give it that way, uh, we, we, we are partners in everything, every good work this church does. Uh, and it's something that I would say that the takeaway for us from Philippians 4.15 is to understand that when we give to the ministry of St. Paul's, we become direct partners in every act of loving kindness that this church performs, both for our local community and through conference affiliation of the world at large. That's, an, uh, that's just something more for us to think about. Uh, in the coming weeks as we fill out our pledge cards for the next year. Will the ushers come forward? Loving God, we close out this year in gratitude for the opportunity that has been given to us to be fellow servants in the ministry of love and good news at St. Paul's. We thank you, Holy One, for this realization that our giving is the seal of partnership that we have with this church, that we, that we are standing with this church, both as individuals and, with a, and as a body of people, 
to do the work of your kingdom in this world, in our local community. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to be partners through giving in the same way that the Church of Philippi was with the Apostle Paul. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. My friends, you were created by a God that loves you so very, very much. May you leave this place today with eyes open and hearts open for all of the different ways that you see God's glorious bounty of abundance. And when you see it, may you stop in your tracks and say thank you. Go in peace, go in love. Amen.